Information is for illustrative purposes only and do not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. Fee-based financial planning and investment advisory services are offered through Insight Folios, a registered investment advisor. Insurance products and services are offered through individually licensed and appointed agents in various jurisdictions. Paul Durso and Charles Bowers, Jr. are investment advisor representatives of Insight Folios. Retirement is coming up fast. Will you have the income for the life you're dreaming of? Will you be traveling or flipping channels? Will you be helping the kids and grandkids or asking them for help? If you've worked, saved, and done without, but you still don't know if you'll make it, then welcome to Simply Financial, where you'll learn to invest like a pro so you can move forward with confidence. This is Simply Financial with Paul Durso, your first step to financial clarity. Now, here's Paul. One zero two five six ten WFNZ. You're listening to Simply Financial with Paul Durso, where we're all about taking your first steps to financial clarity. I'm your host, Paul, here with my amazing co-host, Patrick. Hey, Paul. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm so glad you're on the show with me today. He's stepping in for Charlie Bowers, who is uh, on a allotted break on vacation this week. And we have a great show in store for you today. And in her book, 365 Ways to Live Generously, Sharon Lipinski says generosity is intentionally, freely, and frequently giving to improve your life and the lives of others. Sharon will explain about charitable giving by discussing some of the common mistakes and how to avoid them by donating. She'll uncover the warning signs to look for when determining if an organization you want to give to is legitimate or not. And I can't wait to chat about that because I'm always wondering about that. <laughs> Sharon even provides information about getting your kids involved in other ways besides giving just money. Listen in and how to begin creating the kinds of habits that encourage generosity not only towards others, but towards yourself as well. So if you know someone out there that you wish gave just a little bit more, Call them up and tell them to turn on 1025-610-WFNZ. But first, I got to share a story with you, Patrick, that, that happened this last weekend. Uh, actually, it happened last, about a week ago, Thursday. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got um, asked to go golfing at um, Longview Golf Course. Mm-hmm. Beautiful and, course. Oh, very beautiful. Yeah. And I was out there with uh, one of the people that live in the neighborhood, and he knew everybody. I mean, I, I was like, are you the mayor? He, uh, he just seemed like everyone we came up behind or we passed on the golf court or neighbors out in their yard, he just knew everybody. And we're on a certain hole, and uh, we, we saw this absolutely, or I, I saw this absolutely beautiful home, and it just seemed to go on forever. It was up near the green. It was a beautiful home. And uh, he saw me kind of looking at it, kind of in amazement, not so much that it was a big house, but that it was a big house in a neighborhood. Because um, it just seemed abnormally large. And he's like, yo, that's so-and-so's house. And I'm, of course, you know who lives there. <laughs> and uh, and he tells me the story. He goes, you know, when this this gentleman, I'm not going to say his name, but when this gentleman uh, built the house, he he bought a couple consecutive lots next to each other. And he, uh, he's, he leads a Bible study for this gentleman, um, the guy that I was golfing with, every Thursday. And he goes, he's a very, very interesting guy. And he points to the house and you could see this like corner right in the middle of this house and he goes you see that line right there and I said yeah and I was really curious what he's going to tell me about the architecture you know and he says that line to the right of the house which was about 50% of this house he said all of that space in there was designed and built by this owner because he's so sold out and his church is very big into missions and he wanted to create a place in his home that's set up like quads that there's living space and kitchens that when missionaries come back to the United States from being overseas where they want to visit friends and family and sometimes have to raise more support they have a place to live in this absolutely beautiful gated community in this wonderfully I mean it's a very very nice home and and then the guy that I'm golfing with tells me he's like there's a stigma about wealthy people that, you know, when you see somebody that has wealth, you think, 
they're just stuck on themselves or they're in that position they don't understand or they don't give. And he goes, let me tell you, there's a lot of wealthy people that live here. And not only do they give their money to charities and support things that they love, but they spend it too. He goes, take this guy, for example, half of his home, his home, the place that he rests his head every night is for other people that when they come back into town, they, they, they have a place to rest their head that he just lets them walk into the front door of his house. And let me tell you, holy smokes, I am just beside myself. I, the rest of the golf day, I'm just thinking about this guy's home, and I'm like, that is an amazing story. That is incredible. Uh, we, we work with a lot of high net worth individuals as well, Paul, and um, we see that a lot too. There is definitely a stigma with wealthy people, but we have f- probably far more people who give than are what is perceived in the community. So it's a great story. Oh, yeah. So in the spirit of giving, let me introduce our guest as she is an expert in this area. Sharon Lipinski is the donation defender and generosity expert and is dedicated to helping people make a big impact with their small donations. She is the author of 365 Ways to Live Generously. I apologize for that. Simple Habits for the Life That's Good for You and for Others, which helps people get healthy in body, mind, and spirit. And this book is so good, Patrick, that our producer of the show has already given away almost a half a dozen of these books. Wow. Yeah, he, it's awesome. And I tell you what, it is a great read. And I, I know I haven't had the chance to give it to you yet, but I'm sure you're going to love it. I'd love it. to get a copy. She's the founder of the nonprofit Change Gangs, virtual giving circles which help people make small donations that make a big impact by pooling their donations together so people can give to what they care about for the same causes. And let me welcome you to the show. Sharon, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great and delighted to be here. Well, I am glad you're here. So let's just kick right in because uh, we don't have a whole lot of time with you today because I know you're you're busy. But sometimes we don't know if charity is a good charity or not, or charities that we want to give to are legitimate or not. So help me understand some warning signs to look out for if we're going to get scammed. Yeah, well, there are three big ones that I watch out for. The first is when they're soliciting for cash donations. Cash donations are just always going to be risky because cash can't be tracked. Once you give it, you have no idea where it went. Do you know those donation jars that you see in places? Yeah. Uh, Those donation jars, they could be lost. They can be stolen. People can take money out of them, not all of the money, but a little bit. Um, And they can even just be flat-out fake. There was a guy in Lansing, Michigan, who was arrested for putting out fake Donate to Missing Children jars. And he Mm. was collecting nearly $2,000 a month from those jars. That's disheartening. There was an... Yeah, I know. It's disheartening. And let's take it. There was another um, organization in Colorado called Boobies Rock. And as you can imagine, very attractive, scantily clad women. Uh, They would go into bars and they would collect money. And it just went to fund this guy's lifestyle. He ended up going to jail for it. So anytime you see cash, I avoid it. I think you should only donate by check or credit card. So that's the first thing to watch out for. That's great. the second thing I, I avoid is any time it's high pressure, right? That's I think that's probably always a warning sign. Um, if you get a call from a telemarketer, sometimes it's legitimate, sometimes it's not. So if you get a call from a telemarketer, you just want to slow down. You want to ask a few questions, like are you being paid? What percentage of my donation is going to go to charity? How much goes to the telemarketing company? And then you want to thank them because, you know, if this is a legitimate telemarketer, they're doing an important job. They're helping raise money. So it's okay that they're doing this. So thank them. But then hang the phone and then do a little more work on your own. Call the charity. Did you, you know, hire this telemarketing company? Is this a charity that you want to support? And then if it all checks out, then you can give. But I avoid high pressure and I avoid telemarketing. So... And then watch out for ahead. cash is the first one. High pressure situations yeah. number two. What's the third one? Similar names. So, do you want to donate to Paralyzed Veterans of America or American Paralyzed Veterans? Which one do you think you want to donate to? Because one of those is a congressionally chartered charity, and the other one was founded just to rip you off, and the founder went to prison for fraud. Right. So, if you see a name and you think, well, is 
is this that one or is that this what if somebody is intentionally choosing a name that is very similar it could be a warning sign that they are trying to capitalize off of somebody else's hard work so you okay. want to be very Sharon, I got to I got to I got to break in here because how do I know like they both sound legitimate to me do you have any resources or someplace I can go or something I can know about that can help me understand which charity is the legitimate one because I wouldn't know. I'd look at them both and go, yeah. wow, they do the same thing. Right, right, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, that the only way to know is you have to do a little work, right? You have to get online. Um, so there are a lot of online resources that are available, um, and they're all doing something different. So I actually check all of them. I go to GuideStar.com, and I look at their tax documents. I go to Charity Navigator. I go to the Better Business Bureau's charity arm, which is give.org. I go there. Um, I go to Philanthropedia. And, you know, I'm getting a feel for, is this a legitimate organization? Do things feel right? Now, do you have a resource that has all of this compiled, or you're just doing this for your own research? I do have a resource um, that I'd be happy to share with you. I was hoping you were going to say that. So what is this? Um, you know, I, I was going to email it to you. You can uh, share it with your readers. You can put a link out there. Um, it's, I, I just call it my charity research guide. It's a four-level guide that I walk through. Um, anytime I'm going to give, um, at the very least, at the very least, I go through the first level, which is just four simple questions. You know, because sometimes if we're only going to give $20, you don't want to do the full thing. But at the very least, you just want to ask four short questions. What are, and we have about 30 seconds. Give me two of those questions. What do they do? How do they do it? How do they know it's working? Those are your basics. Really? And this, Mm -hmm. give me this link again, or the the guide. Is this a guide that I can add into my retirement rescue toolkit? Yeah, I will send you that because I actually don't have it available uh, for download otherwise. So LG is just something special for you, and I'll send it over to you. I really appreciate that, Sharon. And you know what? When we come back, Sharon is going to let you in on a little secret, how a little donation can make a huge impact. This is Simply Financial here with my co-host Patrick. The show is Simply Financial with Paul Dershow. We're all about taking your first steps to financial clarity. This is 102.5610-WFNZ. Hey, this is Charlie, and we'll get back to the show in just a minute. But if you're worried about where you'll get the income for your dream retirement, just call us for our free retirement rescue toolkit. The first 10 callers will get two books and tons of other material you wouldn't expect to get from a financial advisor absolutely free. Knowledge is power, right? So here's a ton of knowledge for you, and it's free. Give us a call at Insight Folios at 855-999-7526. Get your free retirement rescue toolkit Today, that's 855-999-7526. Hi, this is Rob Rubel, author of Financial Freedom for Special Needs Families. You're listening to Simply Financial with Paul Durso on 102.5-610 WFNZ. One zero two five six ten WFNZ. You're listening to Simply Financial with Paul Durso, and on the show today we've got Sharon Lipinski. She is author of three hundred and sixty five ways to live generously: simple habits for a life that's good for you and for others. Hey, Sharon, this is Patrick. Um, you say that a donation team is a better way to give. Can you talk a little bit more about the do- donation team and how it works? Yeah, well, I love donation teams. They're actually officially called giving circles, but that doesn't really mean anything to anybody. So I call them donation teams. And what it is, it's it's just super simple. It's a group of people who want to support the same cause. And they pool their donations and they donate together as a group. And there's a couple advantages to doing it this way. The first is that you can make a much larger donation as a group, right, than you can do alone. Yeah. So you're going to make a bigger impact on that charity. The other thing that it lets you do is share that hard work of researching charities. Because if you want to be good at supporting charities, if you want to be good at really furthering your cause, it takes time and effort, right? So, for example, if you want to support um, 
charities that are going to help end poverty, then you need to know a little bit about microloans and water projects and what are the best practices for implementing these kind of projects effectively. So that way you can choose the charities that are doing this work the right way. And that just takes time. Um, So when you are part of a giving circle, you share that work. Uh, There are actually about 800 giving circles across the nation donating more than $100 million a year. So it's huge. Nobody's ever heard of them, but it's huge. Um, And they are endlessly um, adaptable to whatever you want. You can go check out our giving circles at virtualgivingcircles.com. And in ours, um, everybody just donates $25 a month. Anybody who's a member can nominate a charity for us to research. And then our donation uh, committee researches those charities, and we send out a report. And then anybody in the group can vote on which charity they think is going to make the biggest impact. And whatever charity gets the most votes is where we send our money. You know, and I I think that is just a a phenomenal. Actually, before this, I don't think I've ever heard of that I've never heard of that before. It sounds really efficient. It does. It sounds wonderful. <laughs> You're and pooling I'm... your money and the and your mental resources basically, you know, as yeah. Sharon, you were saying that, you know, everybody who's done their little, you know, homework on it can share in, in one place. And I feel the most um, confident in the fact that since everybody's doing that together, there's got to be a good chance that it, it's not a, a scammed charity. You know, it's mm-hmm. a legitimate charity, especially if you're going through your virtualgivingcircles.com. I'm going to feel very good about that, knowing that Somebody else out there has done the hard work that sometimes lazy people like me <laughs> that just want to give a, a check away. You know, we're just trusting, yeah. unfortunately, that mm-hmm. charities are legit. And in the spirit of giving, you know, I want to I want to share very quickly what's called the Retirement Rescue Toolkit and that we give away every single show. And we give 10 of these away. And inside of this Retirement Rescue Toolkit, we've got a couple of things, uh, two books, one that I've written, Rethink, Replan, Retire. And there's another book in there by Charlie Bowers, who uh, is not with us today. In, in, in addition to all of that, we've got some links for a very informative online college class that you can go and attend at, at your own whim, sitting on your couch. There's a bunch of resources in there about ta- efficiently saving taxes in retirement, maximizing your, your Social Security. There's so many good resources in here. And just this show only, we're going to add in some, some information from Sharon about giving. We're going to add that research guide that we talked about earlier on the show. So you're going to understand, first and foremost, if the charity you're giving to is a legitimate charity or not. All you have to do to get this kit is text the word KIT, K-I-T, to the number 33222. Again, that's text the word KIT, K-I-T, to 33222. In just a few short days, you're going to have a retirement rescue toolkit show up at your front door absolutely free. Again, just text the word KIT to 33222, and you will be on your way to receiving the retirement rescue toolkit at no cost. And one last thing I'll say about that. Inside that kit, in the introduction letter, there's a coupon for a free simplicity plan, a complimentary plan. We charge $1,500 for that plan, and we're just going to give that away for the first 10 on this show, Um, that coupon for a complimentary plan, which is worth $1,500 alone. In addition to that, there's about $75 worth of books and valuables inside of this retirement uh, rescue toolkit, and that can be yours again last time. Text the word KIT to 33222. Now, if you're just tuning in, um, on the show is Sharon Lipinski. She's author of 365 Ways to Live Generously. And, you know, I have to ask you, Sharon, give me some tips on how we can can help our kids donate. Yeah, so a few principles for kids. One that you want to do is, is just really adapt to them. Kids have different interests. They have different abilities. So make sure that you're matching that with the opportunity. So if they're, you know, if they like to build things, if they like to work with their hands, find opportunities that let them do that. If they like to work with animals, if they're if they like seniors, um, just matching up, right? If they, if they have great computer skills, can they help an organization build a website? Match your child's skills and interest to the volunteer opportunity. 
and adapt to their age. Because for young children, money is kind of this intangible concept. They don't really know what it means. So for young children, you want to maybe adapt to tangible things, like let's get a backpack and let's pack it up with books, or let's take something to the senior center. You want to be thinking much more tangible for younger kids, but as they grow and as their interests develop, they can take a much more active role in helping the family decide where are we going to direct our donation dollars this this month. You know, Sharon, it's really funny you say tangible things because every summer my kids go to a VBS at Calvary Church. It's not the church we attend, but it's a church that my kids love, the Vacation Bible School. That's what VBS stands for. And they divide up the kids every year into boys and girls, and they have a giving-a-thon where the kids have to raise money to give away to, it's not necessarily a charity as much as it is to feed, um, I don't remember what it was this year, but it was someplace in Africa they were giving to feed children, and they raised like 20-some thousand dollars or $17,000 in the span of a week, and it was just the kids. Wow. No, no, No adults were participating, it was the kids, and, my, and I can tell you, my kids in my neighborhood that were going to VBS, because my friends invite friends, or my kid, not friends, my, my kids' friends, they all got together and they did lemonade stands and brownies, and you know we all helped have tangible stuff, and then they sold it for charity. And they raised, I mean, it was awesome to see the fire in these kids' eyes, because they mostly wanted to win, yeah. but they mm-hmm. raised $17,000. It's incredible. I know. You know, Sharon, you were talking about, you know, focusing in on what the children's interests are. And I think that's so important because it's certainly going to raise their passion. You know, if they're interested in it, you know, certainly the parents can help them research it. If they're old enough to talk with their friends about it, they're going to be so much more enthusiastic to be focused, you know, in donating into those areas. So I think it's a great, great suggestion. And it helps build confidence, you know. So if you know that you're good at something and you can take that skill and help other people, that that's really good for self-esteem. Sure, sure. Um, switching gears a little bit, um, do you think it's better to give money or time? Kind of a general question. Yeah. Ooh, tough question <laughs> know, right tough there. Question. Ooh, I don't want to answer that. <laughs> well, here's, here's how I illustrate it. Just imagine a situation where somebody knocks on your door and it's your neighbor, and he says, hey, you know what, I'm moving this weekend. Could you, you know, help me out for a few hours and help load up the truck? Just, Absolutely just not. Just notice <laughs> right, how you feel because, you know, for some people are like, oh, I can't give you three hours of my weekend, right? That's mm-hmm. tough. But, yeah, I can be. But now imagine same neighbor knocks on your door, and this time he says, hey, can I borrow some money to make ends meet until payday? And what you'll notice is that feels Different. different. It does. Yeah. I actually instantly, uh, my knee-jerk reaction when you said the first one, I was like, you know, the the old joke, I got to wash my hair, right? And the second one, <laughs> I almost feel like, no, he needs my help. Like, I, how, yeah. much, how much do you need? Instantly, I right. could feel myself feel different. Yeah. And what's interesting, though, is other people will have exactly the opposite response. What what it illustrates is that, that they are different. Giving your time gives you certain benefits. Giving your money gives certain benefits. So you want to do a little bit of both. And, and if you happen to be a place in your life where you have more time than money, then give more time. If you have more money than time, then give more money. But you want to give a little bit of both because they're very, very different, and you need to be giving both in order to be really balanced. I'm glad you said that because when Paul jumped in and said he wanted to give the guy money— I felt I'd rather give my time more. So That's so funny. Yeah, we, we certainly, it, listen, it's what makes the world go round, certainly. But I'm glad you jumped in, Sharon, and said that. Well, you know what, Sharon? You know, we, we just have a little bit of time, and I want to make sure you tell me where I can get your book and learn a little bit more about you. Yeah, well, my book is available on Barnes & Noble's and Amazon, and it's about generosity. And I, I know when people think about generosity, what they think is, oh, well, it's about giving to other people. And that's true. That is part of generosity. But the book is as much about being generous to yourself because you are the foundation from which you give. That foundation needs to be strong and solid. So it's a daily book that are going to help you create habits that help you take care of your physical health. Can you give me a quick understanding of what that means, like of giving I'm I'm not a hundred percent certain on what what you mean of like, and when you described your book, help me understand that a little bit better. Well, if you are going to be able to continue to give to others, you want to be sure that you are in good physical health. 
if you want to be there emotionally for people the way that they need you and want you to be there, you have to take care of your own emotions, your own spiritual health. Really, it, it starts with you, right? You have to give to yourself as much as you give to others. It's, it's about finding that balance because if you give too much, you can end up stressed out, burnt out, angry, sick, and broke. But then on the other hand, sometimes we get to a place in our lives where we find it's all about us. We're just doing things for us. And there's, you know, this question in the, like, well, what is the meaning of life? Is this all there is? Is this, right? If if you're not giving enough to other people, you can feel lonely. You can feel disconnected. Right? There's kind of a question of, like, is this worth it? What's going on here? So and we can find really and we can and we balance. can we can find this book where again Amazon and Barnes and Noble and Sharon I can't thank you enough for being on the show today your insight and your passion for giving is so wonderful and again thanks for being on the show my pleasure this is Paul Durso here with my amazing co-host Patrick the show is simply financial with me Paul Durso where we're all about taking your first steps financial clarity this is 1025 610 WFNZ Five six ten WFNZ. You're listening to Simply Financial with Potter. So, and just before the break, I had thrown out a bold statement that mutual funds are the worst investment for a retiree. Before we get to that, I want to ask Patrick over here, your co-host for the day, Patrick Coleman, to uh, quickly just give a little background, uh, just to help 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 everybody out there understand who you are and who I am. I right. am Patrick Coleman. I work for LBA Hainstrand. We're a public accounting firm located in Matthews. We also have offices up in Mount Airy and over in Greensboro, and we uh, specialize in taxes, but also do auditing and most of the general um, tax firm-related activities. Uh, we love to work with consulting uh, on our clients and uh, love to dig deep on these financial issues that Paul is just so good at. And we've been we've been working together and sharing clients for quite some time, and that's why I asked you to be on the show today yeah. because your insight on a tax perspective and over the years, you know, I, I knew a little bit about tax and a whole lot about finance. You knew a little bit about finance and a whole lot about tax. And now I feel like I know a lot more about tax <laughs> after working with you and you know a lot more about finance. And that's why I'm so excited to, to dive in today into some really really good com uh, content and specifically mutual funds. For sure, for sure. Yeah, no, um, I love working with you. It's been a couple of years now, and it just seems to be more and more uh, we're just getting into different areas. But, uh, but enough about me, Paul. <laughs> Why are mutual funds the absolute worst investment for retirees? Well, the, the best way I, could, I can share it with you is, is by giving you a little bit of an analogy. And this kind of came up in a conversation a little while ago, a couple a week or so ago, and I've really fell in love with this analogy, and I think it, it really tells the story very well. And I relate it to uh, renters and squatters. And if you have a rental property, there's really only two tenants that can move in. You have a, a tenant that's going to pay you rent and a tenant that's not going to sure. pay you rent. It's <laughs> the only two tenants that can, that can move in. But if you think about it, if, if you've got a renter, a proven payer, somebody that's going to come into this home and and let's make up a number. Let's say you buy a rental home for $100,000, and you're fortunate to get a bona fide payer, a really good renter, to move into that home. Now you've got you know, the, the fact that you purchased this house for $100,000, and you've got the potential, and I'll put quotes around that, that that house, that rental home, is going to appreciate, hopefully not depreciate, but mm -hmm. appreciate, and you get rents. You get to collect some form of income every single month. For your hundred grand, you are now exchanging it for the potential of growth, appreciation of property, and income along the way, as, of, as opposed to spending that same $100,000 or another 100000 in a different rental property. And now what you have over here is you've got the squatter. 
You've got somebody occupying your home that's sitting in there not paying you anything. They're paying you squat, okay? <laughs> Nothing, zilch, nada. They're sitting in that house. The only potential you have is that you will be able to sell that home some point in the future for more than you bought it for. And this relates to money management so well because mutual funds, ETFs, whatever you have in your portfolio are squatters. You buy them for a hundred grand or 10,000 or whatever you purchase those investments for, mutual funds and ETFs, they're sitting on the sidelines and the only potential growth you have is that that investment appreciates in value. You have no renter in there. It's a squatter paying you squat. So how would you get to go into a rental as opposed to sitting in your squatting? Okay, so I have, you know, I I tell my clients that every single one of their investments are little rental properties. So you're going to either spend that money, you're going to buy a a rental property that has a squatter in it, which I liken to mutual funds, ETFs, anything that doesn't pay any sort of rent, versus buying a rental property that has a bona fide renter in there. Two easiest examples I can give you there are dividend-paying stocks and CDs. Banks would love you to loan them your money in exchange for rental income, where you pay the bank $100,000, they're going to hold it for one year, and they're going to pay you to to hold that money, whatever, right now to 2.5% income. A dividend-paying stock is another one. You're going to loan your money to XYZ Stock Company, they're now going to pay you some form of dividend in, in exchange for the rental property that you just purchased. So you give some company $10,000, $100,000. They're now going to pay you 2 bucks, 3 bucks, 4 bucks a share, 5% total dividend for the year, whatever the numbers end up being. Well, let me jump in, Paul. Don't mutual funds give dividends as well? So if you're just tuning in, the show is Simply Financial, and uh, Patrick Coleman just asked the question, you know, do, do mutual funds pay dividends? And I, we, we were just talking about renters and squatters. And to bring you up to speed here, we're really talking about the difference between mutual funds, ETFs, and dividend-paying CD type of investments. And the question is posed, do mutual funds pay, to pay dividends? The easy answer is yes. Most mutual funds have stocks in them. And a lot of the stocks that are purchased inside of mutual funds pay dividends. However, the mutual fund manager has full discretion to either pay that dividend out to you, the investor, or keep it in. Most mutual funds keep the dividend. They do not pay it out to the investor. They keep the dividend and count it as earnings. It's at the full discretion of the mutual fund manager. In addition to that, there's so much turnover inside of a mutual fund. This is the most disheartening fact because you have to hold a stock on its ex-dividend date when it says it's going to pay. So you have to own a stock before they announce their date and then through the dividend date. Well, the average mutual fund turns over 255 positions a year, or 250 times a year. Per year? Per year. So now the odds of you holding a stock long enough because their whole game is buy and sell, buy low, sell high. Hopefully they get it right. We're going to talk about performance here in a minute. But at the end of the day, the likelihood of you actually receiving a dividend in a mutual fund is far less than just buying a stock. If you own a stock outright, you're going to get paid that dividend no matter what, as long as you hold it. And if you have a well-thought-out strategy of producing dividend income in the future or income for retirement, odds are you're going to buy something like a rental property you're not ever going to sell it. Why? You've got this bona fide payer paying you rent forever. I mean, there's stocks out there. I mean, there's no bigger company here in, in Charlotte than Duke Energy. Duke Energy has been paying its dividend for over 100 years. Now, this is not a go buy Duke. You know, I'm not <laughs> condoning. I'm not suggesting or making yeah. a recommendation. But stats are stats. And Duke Energy has been paying its dividend for over a century 100-plus years it's been paying consistently. Duke Energy would rather lay off staff than not be able to pay its dividend. It's a culture. It's a religion to that company. They're going to pay that dividend no matter what. So when it comes down to investing your money into something that's paying you, I would far rather go to a renter mentality 
than a, a squatter mentality. A squatter mentality, you don't get squat. <laughs> and you better hope you're buying low and selling high. So let's, let's, let's look at the two side by side. And again, if you're just tuning in, this is Simply Financial. We're talking about renters and squatters here. A renter is somebody that pays you money. A squatter is someone that takes your money and pays you squat. And these are investments here. We're talking about a mutual fund and ETF, which is like a squatter, versus a dividend-producing portfolio or a CD portfolio that's paying you some sort of revenue every single year you own it. And if you compete these two, one is kind of a crockpot. You put the money in it in dividend portfolio. It's going to simmer there, and it's going to it's going to turn into food, and it's always going to feed you. The other one is is nothing like that. I like the way you use that analogy of crockpot because that kind of plays into the tax aspect of, of some of these earnings here. Um, the crockpot or the renters, as you as you're talking about, you know, they're holding their stock for a long time which gives them uh, long-term capital gains treatment, which is a favorable treatment because you're holding the stock for a while. And I think you said that some of these mutual fund managers turn over the stocks 250 times a year. That's the average. The average. Some do more. (laughs) I mean, logically, that would mean that most of them would not fall into that long-term favorable treatment. So alongside with getting, you know, some, some not guaranteed, but more relied upon results in terms of dividends, the mutual funds probably are not as advantageous, I think, as these uh, the renters, as you're calling them. Well, I have a very biased opinion on that. <laughs> and uh, mutual funds cannot produce the consistent type of revenue that just owning a stock outright. You, know, you can be an owner mm. or you can be somebody that's a consumer. Consumers buy mutual funds and they hope that their purchase works out to be a good purchase. An owner buys a business, buys a stock, buys a company that pays them revenue as long as they own that business. The, the, the two don't even compete. It's not even close. You've got one that's a bona fide pair. Like, you know, again, I, I keep using this example of Duke Energy. It's been paying for over 100 years. I feel like that's where you can go to, the, to Wall Street. You can go to the market, which is horribly volatile. It's horribly inconsistent, and yet find consistency in that same place. You can go find a consistency payer like a Duke or there's hundreds Hundreds, and I'm not condoning Duke, but there are hundreds of stocks out there that pay just as consistently as com- as other companies like a Duke Energy, where you can rely on their dividend income, and yet the price will go up and down. And let me blow up the myth that when a stock price goes down, your dividend goes down. When the stock price goes up, your dividend goes up. Aren't dividends based on the amount of shares you own and not the value of those shares? Yes. So if you own 10 shares of a stock and the stock's worth 100 bucks or 10 bucks, if you own 10 shares and it pays out a dollar, you got 10 bucks. It doesn't matter if it's $10 a share or 100 bucks a share or 100,000 a share, you get 10 bucks. So having the most amount of shares is most important, mm-hmm. not the value. And that you know what when we get back that's something, or we're going to go to break here in a second. When we come back, we're going to drill into that and understand the difference between what the industry teaches on what's important and what's actually mm-hmm. important. This is Paul Durso here with my amazing co-host, Patrick. The show is Simply Financial with Paul Durso. We're all about taking your first steps to financial clarity. This is 1025-610-WFNZ. So what three things will you need for the retirement of your dreams? Well, first, there's income. Second, income. And third, you guessed it, income. But how will you get it? Will you have enough? Want to know for sure? We will create an income plan specific to you using our proprietary Simplicitree software. Creating this plan is a $1,500 value, but for 10 of our listeners, we're going to give away this plan absolutely free. Only 10 free plans, so call now, 855-999-PLAN. That's 855-999-7526. Get on the list now for your Simplicity financial plan. Call now, 855-999-PLAN, 855-999-7526. One more time, 
800-999-7526. Hi, this is David McKnight, author of The Power of Zero. You're listening to Simply Financial with Paul Durso on 1025-610-WFNZ. One zero two five six ten WFNZ. You're listening to Simply Financial with Paul Durso, and today on the show, the rest of the show, anyways, we're going to be talking about the myth of what our industry teaches. Now, before we jump into that myth and what the industry feels is so important, which is not so important, I want to tell you about a retirement rescue toolkit. Now, we're going to give ten of these away in order to get this one of the ten. We're only giving ten away. I already mentioned this earlier in the show. We've already had a few people text in, so there's only a few kits left, and you have to text the word KIT, K-I-T, to 33222 to get one of these kits. It's our Retirement Rescue Toolkit. There's a few books, one authored by me, Rethink, Replan, Retire, and another one by Charlie Bowers, who's not on the show today, but is navigating retirement. In, in addition to that, there's some great links, some online resources, a retirement class that's got nine different modules. It's about three hours of material. It's all uh, segregated up into different modules that you can watch in the comfort of your own home. We've got some white papers on how to save tax, efficiently take your Social Security income. But the most valuable aspect of this kit is the fact that you will be able to have a custom simplicity plan done at no cost. We charge $1,500 in our office to do one of those plans and absolutely free. If you get one of these toolkits, you will be able to get a $1,500 retirement plan at no cost included with this retirement toolkit. All you need to do is text the word KIT, K-I-T, to number 33222. One more time, text the word KIT, K-I-T, to 33222. It is important enough that if you're driving right now to pull off the side of the road, (laughs) stop at a stoplight, a stop sign, Text the word KIT 33 to 222 to get this kit absolutely at no cost mailed to your front door in just a few days. Now, we have to talk about this myth. And I'll, if, if there's one thing that people walk into our offices at, at Insight Folios and they share with us, it's the fact that they've got mutual funds and they have no idea what those mutual funds are charging. And the real myth is that the value of the assets that they possess, you know, their nest egg is the most important thing in their life because somebody has taught them somewhere along the line that if they have a million dollars, or you pick the number, two million, five million dollars in their bank account, then they can retire without worry. And let me tell you, I had lunch this last week with a very wealthy individual that has a lot of zeros behind his name. And I saw the same fear in his eyes that is in retirement of running out of money than I've seen in the eyes of those who have $500,000. And this gentleman has significant wealth behind him, tens of millions of dollars. And you know what? They live in the same fear that those who have just a few hundred thousand live in because you know what? It all comes down to lifestyle. It's not about how much money you have. It's not about how much money you're saving. It's about how much money you need to spend. And unfortunately, our industry has done a fabulous job, an unbelievable job, hoaxing you into the fact, conning you into the fact that the bottom line and how many zeros behind your, your, your nest egg you have, the better. And here's the problem. When, when you look at your statement, the, f- the first bold line you're going to see anywhere on your statement, it's going to be your bottom line, your, your balance. You know why that's so valuable? You know how our industry, do you know the answer to this, Patrick? You know how our industry makes money, the financial industry? It's based on the value of your account? Yes. So our industry charges one of two ways. You can go old school, which is charge a commission, which should be illegal. (laughs) It's a (laughs) conflict of interest. It should not be allowed, but unfortunately, it's still allowed in today's environment where you can charge a commission on a transaction. The more popular and more fiduciary-driven manner in today's environment is a fee-for-service. So you've got a, a level of assets that you manage, and you charge a fee on that. The industry makes money on how much wealth they manage. Is that the number one priority? 
how much wealth somebody has? You would think, yes, absolutely. I've got a million bucks. That's the most important number in my life. And you know why? I want my financial advisor to manage that so well. It never goes down. And, you know, he's on my side of the table because if that goes up, he makes more money. If that goes down, he loses money. But the whole time, you're along for the ride. And if your value goes up, you make more money. If your value goes down, you lose money, and so does he. You're sitting on the same side of the table. And what happens down the road when you need money? Like you know, income. You, you, you retire and you have your Social Security and whatever else you have. But, you know, you want to start drawing on those investments that you've been working so hard over the years to, to grow. What happens when you want to pull the money out? And this is why the individual that I was sitting with a few uh, week ago or so for, for, for a meal was so panic-stricken because in the first time in his life, because he's just retired, he's going, I have to start withdrawing this money. Now it matters how it's invested. Because if it goes down and, yes, my advisor loses money and he says we're all on the same side of the table, that's my, my life. That's my income. It's, <laughs> it's not everything. just you know, getting paid less this yeah. year. Yeah. It means I might run out. And that's a major issue. And that's why when we we're talking earlier on the show about renters and squatters, rent income is so important. And if you're just tuning into the show, this is Simply Financial. I'm your host, Paul. I got my co-host, amazing co-host, and, and Patrick Coleman for the show today. And right now we're talking about the myth of Wall Street and what it teaches you and how your value of your portfolio is so important. And the most important thing for you is not the value of your portfolio, it's the income it generates. And I'm going to quickly zoom, zoom in on dividend income because this is something just before the break we were talking about. And you asked the question, you know, how, does, how do dividends get paid? And it's on how many shares you have. So if I've got 100 shares of a stock and that stock is paying a dollar a share of dividend, and the stock price is worth 100 bucks. Now, I've got a 100 times 100, which is 1,000 bucks. Mm -hmm. I've got $1,000 in my possession and $10,000. Yeah. $10,000. <laughs> I'm like quickly doing the calculation in my mind. I'm like, nope. So we're going to redact that for a second. <laughs> We've got 100 shares of a stock. At 100 bucks in value, that's $10,000 in value, paying me a dollar a share, so it's 100 bucks. And let's just say another 08 storm comes our way, and now that stock that's $100 a share is now 60 bucks a share. And that my net worth just dropped by, by 40%. Mm. Now I just have $6,000 worth of value, but guess what? I still have 100 bucks of income. Well, you say that, I know, and you also mentioned in the prior segment that a lot of these renters, as you call them, you know, the, the stocks that are giving dividends are giving dividends in good and bad times. Yes. So even though 08 happens, they were still, for the most part, giving a good portion of dividend income out. Well, actually, if you look back in 08, if, if you look at a dividend payer stock's history, that's, the, that's crunch time for them because their stock is so important and they have the history of the dividends, that's when they will tend to increase their dividend the most. So if you look in 08, our, our, the portfolio that we managed at Insight Folios, it went up on average almost 18% that year. Now, we typically average an in eight. In 2008? Now, the income. Yeah. Typically, our, our income increases. So the pay raises of rental income mm -hmm. that our mm -hmm. clients get, going with that analogy, is about 8% a year that they've been experiencing. Um, in 2008, in 2008, we got nearly 18% increase in income that year. And it doesn't, let me tell you, it's not the value. It's nothing I did. It was no no specific trading mechanism. We held well, the you, same you stocks. you were investing into stocks that consistently pay dividends. But though. the most important thing is that those companies were scared of losing their investors. Mm -hmm. So they paid more income that year because they knew the value of those stocks were plummeting. And they, they said, you know what? Don't sell our stock because we're going to pay you 18% more income this year. Can you imagine getting an 18% pay raise, even though the, you're seeing the value of your portfolio go down? You know who got hurt that year in 2008? People who sold. No. Advisors' pocketbook. Sure. Wall Street's pocketbook got destroyed that year. You know who did not get hurt from an income standpoint? Investors who were investing in dividend-producing income or, or rental income, not mm -hmm. property income, but investments that pay good income did not get hurt that year. They got paid just the same they did in 2007. This is why it's so important to make sure you're taking your hard-earned money and putting it in places that pay you income. Don't just hope 
for appreciation. Don't just hope to buy low and sell high. Put your money in places that you can make income no matter what or throughout the throughout the time you're holding that investments in that investment because appreciation is great, but it's not guaranteed. Mm-hmm. I, I love talking this stuff. And one last time, I will say, if you want our Retirement Rescue Toolkit, text the word KIT, K-I-T, to 33222. We're going to get in your in your hands absolutely free at no cost. Mail to your front door a ton of information about everything that we're, we've just been chatted about. Let me tell you about next week's show there are 2,700-plus rules regarding Social Security system. How many of those rules do you know? When it comes to getting what you deserve, this deck of 2,700-plus rules is definitely stacked against you, and that could cost you thousands, maybe even tens of thousands of dollars each year in Social Security benefits. We'll be talking with Lawrence Kitnikoff, author of Get What's Yours, The Secrets of Maximizing Your Social Security. You've earned it. Now it's you have two choices. You can do nothing and take significantly less of what you've earned, or you can get the help you need and get every penny that is due you out of Social Security. Discover Social Security's top five secrets and their top five glitches. That's next Saturday right here, 1130 a.m. on Simply Financial with me, Paul Durso, 102.5610 WFNZ. Now I want to thank so much. Sharon Lipinski was on the show earlier. Patrick, uh, thanks, I Paul. I really had a great time being here today. I, 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 I'm I'm as passionate about this topic today as you are, and I could I could talk for hours about it. So thanks for having me on. I'm so glad you were here. And you know what, Stephen? Yeah, I see the little <laughs> hand cup behind the ear. He's like, "Where's the praise? Best producer in the business, Stephen. He's amazing." And I just want to thank all you fine folks out there listening to WFNZ each and every Saturday, 11:30 to 12:30. You give us this forum to share all this, the, the wealth and knowledge that we know. And I want to thank you, um, the, the listener, that, that continues to turn in and telling you all of your friends and family. And last, you can call 855-999-PLAN. That's 855-999-PLAN to learn a little bit more about our, form, our firm at Insight Folios or just go to insightfolios.com to learn a little bit more about us. This is Paul Durso here with my co-host Patrick. One last time, the show is Simply Financial with Paul Durso. We're all about taking your first steps to financial clarity. This is 102.5610 WFNZ. Mama told-